tight. My guest today is Frank Yaker, a.k.a. King Rhythm. I think he's a very unique, talented dude. He was in Height with Friends circa 2008, working on the album Baltimore Highlands, and he really, really brought a lot to the table. I felt like he was kind of like a Robert Fripp type of character on the sampler in some way. I was really happy to talk to him. So we go through the story of his whole music life and just life in general, and it was tight. This episode, sponsored by The Lineup Room, a recording and mixing studio located in Baltimore, MD. Let's go in. My dad was a plumber, mechanical contractor. So um, he basically ran his own plumbing business and installed kitchens and bathrooms, air conditioning, and also hired other people to work with him and help him do those things. And was your mom doing this? Did she Was she a career woman or was she no stay-at-home mom style? Yeah, she, she was a stay-at-home. She, she worked as a secretary for a while, but um, she, she was a stay-at-home mom but she also like she used to um do i think what was called summer stock and she used to do like broadway shows and sing and uh she did that for a little while she moved to new york and did that but oh i had no idea yeah it's it's all weird like uh she never really told me much about it yeah um i think she went there and just i i i'm assuming you know like the super outgoing people, you know, it just totally daunted her. You know, she knew she couldn't, like, hang on that level. Right, You know, right. I'm assuming that's what happened. She never she never really shared it with me, but she went there, and I think she went to school there, too. And then at some point, she just moved back home to, I think she was living in Connecticut with her family then. But, yeah, she didn't really talk about it much. When did, like, music come into the picture? <laughs> Not as as, like... When did you start doing music? But when did you, when did you notice? Yeah, I got MTV, maybe in uh, it might have been fourth grade, if that sounds right. And I remember, you know, like the first videos that I saw were probably a big influence. Just like hearing that would be stuff like you know Duran Duran and maybe Michael Jackson. Yeah, that was some of the, I. It, I mean, some of the first stuff that I remember hearing. Yeah. And then, like, being in the car and maybe, like, hearing the same songs on the radio, you know, and it just kind of, like, noticing that there was this other thing going on. Right, right. And I guess at some point, you and your brother got got deeper into this music, kind of kind of together? In, in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, my brother got... Uh, he got a synthesizer as a gift for one of his birthdays. He got, I think it was a Yamaha DX21, 27, I can't remember. It was like the, not the, this mini model. The DX7 was like this huge monumental hit synthesizer. Yeah. And they sold so many of. And um, this one came out that was like more consumer model. And he got that and uh, and a drum machine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, he, he didn't let me fuck with any of it at all, mm. but, um. What do you think he, he was thinking at the time? Like, let's make this, like, these beats or? No, 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 beats not at all. He, he, the stuff that he listened to was like, yes, and pro progressive, mm. prog rock, whatever. So I think he was just like trying to be like rick wakeman or something in his mind yeah you know and uh i don't remember him i remember nothing really happening with his drum machine at all yeah um maybe maybe he would press play on presets or whatever but um that was it and then um he got a an atari computer atari st computer that like had midi so he could start sequencing you know stuff um but I don't, I don't think he ever got very far with it. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. He, he never got very far. Nothing he ever made, you know, I don't think was 
that great or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think he did, maybe he didn't take it that seriously either. I don't know. It's so like long ago that it's it's kind of like rare that you would see that though. You know what I mean? That you would like have that in your house, like a dude like sequencing this electronic music. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's definitely true. Um, I mean, I I was definitely captivated by it. Like, yeah. I I didn't like. I recognized like this was really awesome. Yeah. But I think I guess around the time, um, maybe a little later, even probably somewhere around the time that's when I first started hearing, like rap music, and um, and electronic music, maybe some really basic like dance tracks or whatever and like there was something that appealed to my ear about the music that i that i liked as opposed to like these like you know like synthesizer lines that my brother was trying to do right, on, on right. the keyboard so i remember you know being like you know you, your your older brother does something so you want to do something and I remember being like, well, how do I, you know, make these 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 rap things? And and I remember him saying, you know, you got to get like a sampler, you know, and that's what you that's what you do it with. But and what? So, OK, so what would you be listening to at this time um, that you'd be try- hoping to emulate? Man, I feel like the first the first rap stuff that I heard um, was maybe. um Slick Rick's first album, Great Adventures of yeah. Slick Rick. Um, That's an awesome first start. Yeah, yeah. That that was. I, it's crazy to think about like his his like insane like sex rhymes and stuff. And like, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Yeah. Like, like what is it? You know. But it it was, it was tight. Um, and uh, maybe maybe like, Public Enemy like. It might LL. I'm not sure what LL, but I kind of feel like somehow LL was just there. Yeah, you yeah. know, like something by him, and then um, I don't know. Um, yeah, Public Enemy. A little later on was it, it takes a nation of millions, and then um, um, what I'm sure I, I definitely heard a little Run DMC. Of course, I, I saw Run DMC on on MTV, and probably even Fat Boys. Yeah, that that was they were popular, you know. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, and 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 third base definitely too. Um, yeah, and then maybe shortly after that, um, maybe I don't know how much longer, but like then Yo MTV raps came on TV, yeah. and that was just like, you know, like the floodgates were open, like I could you know find out anything, like this this whole world was actually there, right? You know, right. Instead of just like these tapes, totally. You know? Are you like finding other kids that are into the same stuff? I had a friend Todd who was yeah, we we were both into rap together. Um yeah, and I th- I feel like I maybe I had some friends at school um that I at least talked to about it, but they probably weren't friends outside of school. Right. But, um, right. Yeah. Yeah, but that yeah that was it. But um, there was, it, it was still so early. Like you know, the idea of actually like even comprehending what a sampler was and like getting one. Yeah. Even though my brother had that stuff, it was just like I don't I don't you know the thoughts didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. You know it it was it wasn't until I don't know, so I got I got this uh. Amiga Commodore Amiga computer for my bar mitzvah. Yes. And yeah, and um and these bonds, right? These bonds that I just found recently. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Um but yeah, so I still didn't know anything and and actually at that time I was like into like graphics on the computer. Yeah. You know, like just like drawing or like having this dream of like being a like a cartoonist or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. And um so I got this computer because the Amiga was like the tightest computer for graphics out at the mm. time. And um that happened and then at some point 
I somehow got like what's a tracker program, which is like it's like a very basic version of a DAW, you know, like Cubase or Pro Tools yeah. or whatever. And, and it had like four. No, I don't even no no. I had some weird one first. And you would like download, it would like, you could like download from like BBSs, which is, this is so much before the internet. And people would like leave their computers on. But that was like the the pre-internet, right? Yeah. The BBS shit. How did you like hook into it? Well, you'd have a modem and you would dial a phone number and you would, you would, you would log into it and, uh. You'd be like, Eek, you know, all that. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I I know there were some numbers that I dialed, but like, as far as like downloading most of the stuff, I didn't. My brother got most of that stuff. You know, he would get it for I guess for himself or or for me or whatever. Yeah. And then, but as far as like you know physically getting it myself, I I I didn't really know that stuff because. I think he was like making, you know, like talking to people on bulletin boards and like, yeah, I think I was like kind of young and just didn't even like the idea of like making a connection with another human being online is just, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really comprehend that. Mm. So, so he got some kind of tracker program and maybe it had like a couple things in it, some really primitive sounds and a couple songs. And so I would take the sounds that were in the songs and try to make my own stuff with it. Um, and then what was crazy was I had, somehow I learned, like I had these, these video games, man, what, I had this game called, like, it came from the desert and, um, I can't, it it was, I can't, it was some weird, like these ants came to like this, this desert town and you would try to kill them and then you get captured and into the hospital and all this stuff. But somehow like with this tracker program, I put the disc of the game in and I was able to like browse the sounds that was actually used in the video games. It was like, yeah. So, so I would start like loading these other, these bug sounds and these other sounds and start messing with the pitches and stuff and, and making stuff with that. Um, But it was, and I feel like I had like, one breakbeat i'm not sure what when it was chopped up but like you know like knowing what it was like that i actually had this breakbeat that was chopped up i i didn't know what it was like i knew it was a drum beat but like to to get my head around that it was really like a you know like a sampled beat that was chopped up into the kick snare and hi-hat and i couldn't really recognize what it was it was it was way too early and I don't think I even messed with it, really. I was more, like, into, like, you know, just, like, a kick and a snare sound. Yeah. You know, because since it was, like, chopped up, I had to, like, adjust the BPM to, yeah. make, it, to make it, you know, loop and not sound all fucked up. Um, so, yeah. I, but So, at some point, after messing with that long enough, I, I, like, got this very primitive sampler that plugged into the back of my Amiga that came with a tracker program of its own. And I had that, and it had RCA ins, and I had a CD player, and um, I would go to Kemp Mill and go into their cutout, their CD cutout section, and buy whatever was cheap that looked like it might have a sample, though I didn't know anything about anything back then. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's a it's a jazz CD. This must be what Premiere sample. Right, so I right. would just buy it, you know? And uh, and I had like this old school pyramid mixer with like these wood panel sides that like the crossfader was like so tight and it was like notched in the middle so you couldn't even scratch with it. And that's what I that's what I started trying to make beats on with sampling CDs and stuff. Do you do you feel like you you got somewhere with that? Like you started to make beats that you were thought were tight. Totally, totally. But by, by that point. Um, I had, I had a friend in high school that like, um, we both bonded very much over rap music and we hung out all the time. And, uh, is that John? uh, This is uh, a guy named Tony. Oh, right. Um, and he, he, he would go by the name Mick Blunt and, uh, yes, he was Mick Blunt and the rap name, well, the producer name at first and then I started rapping. I used to go by depressed D dash P R E double S E D. Oh, shit. Right. So we we had this 
we had this group name AFP, which stood for Affiliated Funk Productions. Yes. And um, it was spelled A-P-H-I-L-L-Y-I-A-T-E-D. Right, affiliate, right. You know, smoking the blunt. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, I, I got the sampler and I started making, and then there was like a whole crew that we rolled with, but then there was beef and and crate and i think i got like and this is like high school yeah this age. is this is high yeah i guess i guess i guess it somehow it just kind of time went by you know yeah. what i mean and i guess i'm i'm listening to a lot of hip-hop um and uh I'm, i feel like it was the summer of like 11th grade so that was like 93 that i got this sampler or it could have been late 92 93 mm. and uh yeah and i started you know sampling and we had this group and he was rapping but then he wanted someone to rap with so uh i i started rapping too and uh yeah i i i I learned everything from that because you know like these these limitations imposed on you with like four sounds and a few seconds to sample you you had to learn how to be creative with it you know and were you because I mean, I feel like, you know, the dudes that I came up with doing music with, mm-hmm. it was like that, and we're younger than you. It's like I'm sure you were like the one dude at school that could make beats. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I there was um, well, I definitely I know I'm fairly certain that I got beat down once because I came to school with like this Walkman with like a beat that I made. And I was like playing it. People were listening to it, and I think some like some crew of kids like beat me down just because they were jealous. You know, like this kid's yeah. making beats. Fuck him. You know, <laughs> right? Um, but no, Tony had um, well, he he had a friend named um, Reggie, and Reggie, um, I guess his cousin was like super into like R and B, and his cousin maybe had a sampler and a drum machine. Um, so they were kind and he, and like, they were doing like soft rap, you know what I mean? Cause they were like in R and B. So, yeah. but like, I don't think we ever like got anything together. I, you know, we hung out with them and smoked weed maybe, but I, I don't, it was, they were kind of like over there. You right. Know? right. It's like, yeah. I remember early on always being kind of confused about like, all right, if we're taking this seriously, or if, you know, if we're going in or something, it's like, it's like, what does it mean to go in as as like the suburban like high school rap group or something? Like, like, did you guys have like a plan or was it more just like? I mean, we. I, I feel like you had a better clue than I did. You know, you had a you you were more aware of what was going on. I you know I had this 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 outlook on the world that was Yo! MTV Raps and The Source magazine. And I basically thought, you know, that all I need to do is, you know, make a tight song, demo songs, and just something magical will happen, mm. you know? And uh, I, I just didn't, I didn't have anybody or any experiences to guide me any other way, which I, you know, I kind of feel... I have anger towards my mom because I feel like she going to New York and doing that whole thing, she had some clue of what was up, you know, maybe what I needed to do, but right. she never shared it with me, you know? I guess, I mean, maybe she didn't want you to do something similar. or so, You know what I mean? Like go out on this crazy venture or something. I, I mean, I you know... Not that that's a good thing. No, it's not. That's not. That's not what a a good parent should do. Um, I, she had her own reasons, you know. Yeah. But yeah. And. So, okay. So you have that group, and then, what what happens from there? I go to community college, and I meet uh, some other people um, who are. Uh, I meet Jay and this dude, Karee, and I kind of, like, get this new group of friends. And uh, they're, 
into like uh, rock and actually like shoegaze rock, which I didn't yeah, have a clue. Jay like loved, you know, shoegaze and stuff. And he yeah. was into like My Bloody Valentine and Curve. And we, you know, we were both, we were all musicians and uh, we bonded over that. But we also definitely bonded over being super potheads. Yeah. You know, yeah. so Tony and I are making this stuff and Jay and his band, he was in a band called Legion Lost. And uh, they had, I guess, Jay had left them and started his own thing. And Legion Loss was head by the dude, this dude, Raven, who was Kurt Schmoke's son. So, oh, right. Yeah. So, like, which was crazy. So Jay, so Jay had started this new band. We were hanging out. And then we loosely started just being together. But, like, you know, everything was separate, right? And, like, it wasn't like we should all, like, get together and work on a song. I feel like that idea is somehow too advanced, whether too advanced for us or too advanced in general. Like, these rock dudes doing, like, psychedelic rock, getting together with, like, rap dudes doing, like, East Coast boom bap. Like, so it's like we kind of, like, we're all friends and became this group. But it was like, you're doing this stuff over here. We're doing this stuff over here. We're just going to, like, take shit over. Because we're covering, like, the whole gamut right, of all right. these styles, you know. But, like, looking back, you know, it, it it was, we couldn't see that what we should have done was just, like, all, that's what I think. I mean, we should have, like, all put shit together and, like, put it all into the pot of one band. Is, right. You right. know. So at some point, Tony, my the dude that I was rapping with in, in AFP, he just, I I don't know what to say. He 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 got his girlfriend pregnant. He... He kind of like started fucking up and just not caring. I don't. I don't want to say he didn't care about anything, but it just his the the lifestyle choices that that he chose his choices just it, it was crazy. And then at the same time, at this point, um, lyrically, I was kind of you know. So the first raps I ever wrote were like "I kill you," whatever you know, shit like yeah. that. Because it's it's easy to to write that stuff, right? And, you know, at some point I started, whether I was, like, really capable yet. No, I, I think I was starting to write tight rhymes that weren't about me being a murderer. You right. know what I mean? Like, like putting some actual thought into stuff. And, like, he wasn't. And so it kind of, like, he had this lifestyle which kind of... In in a way, he 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 was kind of like seduced, and I I don't I don't I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but like he was kind of like infatuated with like hood stuff, you know? Right. And like, you know, I, I and it reflected in his rhymes, and I was getting away from that, so you know, like I uh, so we stopped working together, right? Yeah. And um, like uh, I don't know. And then, so then Jay's friend Lance um, rapped, and um, he, Jay was like, we should rap together, which never really worked in my opinion. And, uh, but so then all of a sudden it was like, Lance and I were a group. And uh, yeah, so then we, our, our, our whole thing was like to go to the studio. Um, we went to the studio in Jersey, which was, uh, I can't remember what the studio was called, but it was by the dude, the dude Kramer from Shimmy Disc Records, who right, right, that was right. his studio, yeah. and we went there and we recorded this like six song demo. So it was like two songs with me and Lance, mm -hmm. and then two songs of Jay and Alex and John, and then two songs with me and Jay. So we we uh, so these are three different bands, right? And what was the idea? Like, we'll make this compilation or something? Or a lot of it, I think, was all Jay's idea. Uh -huh. It's just like, yeah, we're gonna, we just, we, we just got all bases covered. So there's no way that we can't like send this to labels and like hit somehow. Because if you don't like this, we got this. If you don't right, like this, right. we got this. You know, and some of the songs were tight. You know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't amateur stuff. You know, it, right. it, it sounded pretty good. Did you continue on in some way with that? group of people basically nothing happened nothing happened right. we recorded this demo and i think maybe jay sent some stuff to a record label and that was it okay and um at that point 
I was really taking music seriously, and I felt this feeling like, like, I'm really trying to see this shit and make this shit happen. And, like, none of these guys around me are, like, really, you know, doing it. I don't think they had the intensity or the drive that I did. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I can't, like, keep working with people that, and then shit not work, and then, like, sit back and be like, you know, this shit didn't happen because of these people around me. Right, Like, right. I, I felt like, which is kind of a weird thing to think, but I kind of felt like, you know, if I'm going to do it and the shit doesn't pop off, like, at least I can blame myself, right? Yeah. And know that I did I did it to the best of my ability. Yeah. But, like, to blame other people and be like, my, you know, my life is out of my own hands, you know, and shit's not happening because of other people. I wasn't comfortable with that. So, uh, you know, and there were, obviously there were other little things. Like, for the most part, I was never happy with working with Lance at all. We were on two different pages. Mm. Um, yeah, he was, you know, he was totally into woo and, you know, my feelings at the time about them. And I, so I, I wasn't. And, like, he was, that was his thing. And it, it, it in my opinion, it didn't work. But I, I love, I love the stuff that Jay and I did. Yeah. But, um. I don't know. It 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 slowly fizzled out because it, it sucks because I never I never talked to him about it. But I feel like it was you know I was too young to to be able to like express myself and my feelings. You know, like not that it would have been a confrontational thing, but you know, just like shit's not working. This is n- this is what I'm not happy with. Yeah. You know, I wasn't capable of having that conversation at the time, so we just stopped working together. You know, and that that was basically it. Yeah. Um, and did you, did you, you, so you went solo from there, obviously. So, yeah, what, so, okay, so, so I'm like totally into hip hop. And, but, and then at some point, um, I started getting disillusioned with hip hop because, um, like gangster rap and you know was just like the biggest thing in the world and yeah and not that i didn't like it but like it wasn't me you know what i right, mean right i just I, it just wasn't me i mean yeah. i you know i listened to snoop and everything like everyone else did but like me like doing that you know it just it didn't fit so simultaneously i started going to raves my brother brought this tape home from this dj it was this dude named, I think, DJ Infinity, and it was like this green see-through tape, and it had this had like uh, jungle and drum and bass on it, and I never heard this stuff before, mm. and, I, and it just it just captivated me. It just it it was it had the beats from hip hop, but they were really fast and doing all these like chopped up, rolling, exciting sounds that I'd never heard before. Yeah, and then on top of it, and it, it, and it had this super bass. You know, like these crazy bass lines. And then on top of it, they these producers were like taking hip hop vocals, the hip hop that I loved, yeah. and dropping it on top of it. Yeah. So it's just like this is the shit. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I fucking loved it. So I guess the the disillusionment with hip hop and then hearing that, it was just like I I'm gonna do this. It was it was yeah. something like so exciting and new. It's like today, I mean I, I don't know. I guess kids hear like uh, uh, dubstep, right? When it first came out, or something. I I don't think it was something new. I don't hear. I hear. I hear it as like a, you know, an extension from drum and bass or whatever. Right. But it, I feel I feel like that sound was like totally new, you know. And I don't yeah. know if kids ever have anything totally new today, but maybe they do. And I'm just a little old, and I don't I don't hear it the way that they do. Well. But do do you not to change the subject? But like, do you do you think that like, I don't know the way that I heard drum and bass as being like this totally new thing. Do you think there's anything like that that has happened? Like, do kids hear something and they're like, "This is like totally new." I think so. I I guess it's different for every kid. You know what I mean? But yeah, I th- I mean I I I don't really like to listen to most dubstep that I've sure. heard but I I felt that it was pretty new sounding when I heard it. Yeah. Like the like yeah. I just remember the first time we played at a show that was all dubstep DJs basically and just 
you know, the like, right. it's kind of like, is this some like, you know, like Timberland uh, production kind uh. of music or something? I don't know. So, and I could imagine if you were like 14, it might seem wow, real unique or something. Maybe. Yeah, that that's true. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, like the, the idea in drum and bass of like speeding these these break beats up, like uh-huh. I don't think that was ever done. You know, I mean, it was done incrementally. You had like, I don't know, you had, it was called break beat, and they slowly sped the breaks up. It got yeah. faster. It got faster than techno and house, but like this drum and bass shit, and then these bass lines. I felt like these sounds did not exist before, but I don't know. I, it it makes me wonder if there will ever be like something that I'll hear, you know? Because I'm like always like, uh, it, it, I'm always like trying or thinking about like the the new shit. Yeah, you know that's like a, that's like a part of me, but like, I don't know if if I'll ever hear something or make something for that matter. That's just like some totally like like the way that hip hop came out. It's just like this is like some completely new shit. Yeah. Well, well in a way, it wasn't. Because it's just taken from stuff previous, but you press play on like a, a Run DMC record or whatever, it doesn't sound like Motley Crue or Poison. Totally, you know. So I just wonder if like that feeling of like something totally new will will I'll ever feel again, you know? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, you know, and maybe the electronic stuff might have not sounded as new to you if you were. 30 at the time or something uh, you know what i mean that's it's true just because i think so I, I think that i definitely i appreciate good music more than i ever have but i also there's not there's not as much like mystery mm. to music if you are a musician and you're older and you can kind of yeah. like see behind the curtain or something it's like true. like if you're older you might have been like oh they're just like speeding up breaks Right. Why would you do that? Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so y- you got it going with like your own drum and bass production. So, so I went to community college for a year, yeah, and a half or a year. I can't remember, and I wasn't really feeling it. And then I went to recording and engineering school. Cause oh, right. So I went to a place, a recording studio in Rockville called Omega Recording Studios, and I, I guess I took a year or a year and a half recording an engineering class there. Um, and, I, and in my class, there was a guy, what was his name? Roger, is it Roger or Robert? I can't remember, Hernandez. He was taking the classes too. And we, we would hang out, and after class we would smoke weed, Yeah. right? And I would talk to him, and um, he ended up being, like, the, the I think he was, like, the general manager for, like, I think, what was it, the Capitol Ballroom, which was, like, maybe one of the biggest, like, huge, like, clubs in D.C. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and somehow he, I guess, having this superposition, like, I gave him my drum and bass stuff, and then, like, he gave it to some... Um, he knew someone who was putting out a drum and bass compilation CD of like, you know, producers from strictly the United States, which, you know, drum and bass was like a UK thing. Yeah. So they were, you know, they could be like the first people that put like a CD out like that or whatever. So the, I got I got that out, too. Um, and I had a track on that with some some kind of big names. Um, yeah. That what was that called? That was called the United States of drum and bass. That could have been like 98 or 99. So and then before that, when I made these drum and bass beats, these these tapes, like I sent this the, my first demo, to this this big. It was like there was this. I think it was a really like popular store in New York. It was called like Liquid Sky, uh-huh. and they were a record label, but they also had clothes. And I think they were like the only dudes that like were pressing like you know twelve inches in the states, and like you know it was like it was like big shit and like. I sent them a you know, demo tape and they wanted to put it out on vinyl and like I was you know I was totally excited and then 
this whole like lawyer thing got involved and they basically, you know, they said the lawyer called me up and he was like, he was like, um, you got all these samples on it. And he's like, no, no, no. The contract was like, you know, we want to put your record out. We want to put this 12 inch out. But because of these samples, if we get sued by these labels, and I think I was sampling like BDP and, and Public Enemy and stuff like that, they were like, because of these samples, if we get sued, we're going to sue you. But it's gonna. But it's cool. It's cool. You're not. Right. We're not gonna get sued. But if we do, we're gonna sue. You. And I was like a kid. It's like, yeah. you know, it terrified me. And then like their lawyer called me up, or no, I talked to a lawyer. And then like a, the, their A and R called me, and he was like, "Man, I wish the lawyer didn't call you." You know. And I was just like, I'm a kid, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna get sued. Am I gonna be in jail? You know, like yeah. Bismarcky, like <laughs> like you know what? So so like I didn't do it, and you know, I don't know. Which is. I th- I feel like those kind of samples, in that context, how often do people get sued? Like like I- unless the song's like a crossover hit or something. Totally, it it, it never would have mattered. It would yeah. it, it, it never would have mattered. Nothing would have happened. But I I didn't know. Uh, from what I understood, I had these like BDP samples, and BDP was on Jive. And apparently they had people from Jive that used to call them and threaten them maybe, you know? Okay. So there was like that extra bit, like you got these, you know, these these BDP samples and we talked to Jive. And so it's like close, maybe I'd get sued. Like maybe if Jive got tired. But I right. imagine back then Jive didn't even have any money. Right? Yeah, yeah. They weren't a big label back yeah. then. So, but yeah, but that just scared me too much. And I was, I was like, you know, fuck this. I'll just make you some new tracks. And then I sent them my next, you know, stuff, and then they never even like responded to any of my like calls or anything back then. Oh, that but, sucks. Yeah, it was it was fucked up. Is that something that's been like a regret? Like, like you look like, like what would it have been like if to- I hadn't totally done that or something? Totally, because who who knows what could have happened? If yeah, I, if I put that that record out, you know, who who knows? And it was, yeah, but I don't know. I mean. And then that, so the downslide stuff is after that. Yeah, a, a, a little bit after that. Okay. And what what label is it that put that put that out? That was a label called Silver Girl, and they, I think he was, I think it was, it was either San Francisco or San Diego. But so the interesting thing though is like, I made this this music with John, the downslide, and like, I, I feel like it just. I think you heard it. I don't know if you, oh, re- yeah. you remember it. But I liked like, it. Yeah. A lot, yeah. But, but like, uh, thank you. I, and I feel like I don't, like, we were, like, in a vacuum making that, right? Right. I don't, I didn't know of anyone else doing anything similar because I think I was, like, in the rave scene, right? So I right. didn't know any rap people that were, and if I turn on the radio or TV, it was gangster rap or whatever. Right, right. So, you know, obviously there was a whole bur- burgeoning underground hip-hop scene, but yeah. that didn't exist to me. I didn't know, you know, that it even existed. So I, I, you know, had I knew, had I knew there were other people doing something similar, who who knows, it could have been something different too. But that, I guess, and and Downslide, were there plans to, like, was it just a one-off project, kind of, or was was there plans to there, keep it going? I wanted to keep it going, but from jump, John didn't want to rap. He just he didn't he could rap, you know. I mean, you know, back then, as as we've talked about, rapping was different. Like you, it was underground. You know, you you had to seek it out and to yeah to to be good at it. It wasn't like today. It's like prevalent in the consciousness of people you know you it's right. just there and playing but like back then you like actually had to learn how to do it to a degree and like it was not not that you don't today but it, it like the idea of the way things sounded was still not established right so you were kind of establishing it yourself as you were doing it but today you can listen to a, a 20,000 things and hear it all to a degree but back then you didn't you know you you would struggle you know like you know what I'm saying yeah yeah so so yeah so so the thing is that he John was didn't listen to rap really except for like Cypress Hill and uh Diggable Planets 
and he didn't yes. want to rap. Yeah, he didn't want to rap, but I was like, you know, and somehow he just like wrote a rhyme or something, or maybe he, John loved The Cure, and he, you know, he, he would write, and I think somehow I got him to write a rap, and like, he sounded great, like the yeah. first rap he ever wrote, and it was just like tight. It's like, yeah. you know, and in my mind, I was like, this is, this is the shit, you know, and we got this, you know, this, this like, you know, this 12 inch out or whatever, but he just he just didn't want to do it. He just didn't. He just he didn't like. Well, obviously, you know, I, I love John and he's my friend, but you know, he's he, he's schizophrenic now, sadly. And right. but like, you know, he hated. It, it was funny. He he hated being black and being a rapper. He thought he was perpetrating a stereotype. Like just because I'm black, I got to be rapping. You okay. Know, you know. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. So you know. And that was part of the reason why he, why he he didn't he didn't want to do it anymore. But I guess was he kind of maybe already starting to like mentally go off the rails or not not even. I no, I don't think he was back then. It was it was it was some some many more years until that happened. So yeah, it was just genuinely like I don't want to stick with this. Yeah. Really. Yeah, but it's it it just it you know, thinking about it just always blows my mind. I, I you know, I know I struggled for a long time being good at rapping and, and I'm assuming you did, you know, I can't, I can't yeah. speak. For, yeah. But like he, he never did, you know, he literally just pressed record and it was tight. And it's just like, right. you just got it naturally. You know, I think sometimes if it's like that, it's, you kind of don't appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. if, you know, uh, st- stars of like i mean children of famous stars that yeah. they they try something and they can you know like immediately get on and yeah whether they're good or bad most of them you know basically disappear it's because there was no there was no challenge to get on for them right, you know? right. like yeah like the the challenge you know is 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 what builds a connection i think you know yeah so so i guess you kind of slowly realize the group is done. Yeah. Yeah. And then some of the, so I was, the drum and bass stuff was kind of taking off and, um, man, what happened? And then I was, you know, I was playing at some raves and playing in some clubs and I was like the only dude around here. Um, that was, so I don't I don't know what I mean everything's so like established with dance music and electronic music t- today. Yeah. But like back then, you know, it was DJs and it was vinyl and there were, you know, laptops were primitive weak little machines, you know, and there and so when you did like a uh it, when you brought equipment and performed dance music, it was termed a live PA. So I did a lot of live PAs at, yeah. at at clubs and stuff, and and that was cool. And um, but and that, I guess that in all these projects, that was really the first time regularly playing live, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was. But the thing was like, I never felt. I don't know if I. I never felt comfortable enough to like get like to like do a live PA by myself uh-huh. because I felt I, I think because I had partially I had such this strong tie to hip hop music. Yeah. And the thing that I loved about drum and bass so much was that it had rapping on it that I felt like whenever I performed I needed to have someone rapping. Right? Yeah. That was just how it was. Or if not like I felt like why would anybody even pay attention to me? Like because I'm doing like this, you know, obviously this is a pessimistic view of it, but like, you know, there's like these big drum and bass producers that everyone hears and these are the tracks that the DJ plays. And I, my stuff didn't totally sound like that. I was doing stuff a little different. Yeah. And I felt, I guess I didn't feel confident enough that people would like what I did. So I felt like, okay, I'll do my shit, but I'm also always going to have someone rapping yeah. on top of it. And then there's no way that, you know, if they're not feeling my beats, you know, my drum and bass stuff, at least they'll be feeling the rapping. And if they're not feeling the rapping, at least, you know, they'll, they'll be feeling my, my tracks or whatever. So I think I, I was, I, I was, I think, so, so I, I had, um, 
I met this guy named Kevin through um, a a mutual friend, um, and he was into hip hop, and he was into like what was he into, man? Um, man, I'm trying to th- I don't I'm trying to think what he what kind of hip hop he was into. Mm. Well, he was into really political stuff. He was okay. like I think he was like the the black student union president at maybe College Park when he was in college. Mm-hmm. So obviously because I wasn't into, you know, like uh um gangster rap, the the hip hop that I was into would be like, you know, more political stuff or conscious stuff or yeah. you know, for for lack of a better term. And oh, he liked like Rage Against the Machine stuff like that, but he also rapped. So somehow I think I recorded a demo of his. I recorded a couple demos of his where he'd come to my studio and, you know, I, I've always been trying to set this studio, you know, grind off. And, yeah. um, so I'd record some tracks of his and then I think eventually I was like, you know, why don't we try to like do this stuff? Um, and you know, you rap and I'll make drum and bass tracks. Yeah. And, you know, so we started doing that together and then, um, we we became this group and it was he was he was MC Son of None and at, by that point I was King Rhythm and uh, we we became this group called What's Left and so we you know we 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 played you know show, we did live PA's and he would rap and I would do that I'd do the the the, the tracks and um and did you have like songs or was it more like interchangeable kind of like um well I. What it started because we were, you know, because he was, he did stuff on his own and I did stuff on my own. Originally what it was is I, you know, I, I brought all my equipment and I all, and then the drum and bass tracks that I made that I was shopping to labels, I was, you know, able somehow to get it all in my sampler and somehow I, I, I rocked the whole thing seamless, each track into the next. And uh-huh. I made I made a couple of tracks that were segues. Yeah. You know? And um and yeah, so that was that and that was how we did our first our first few shows together. He would just freestyle the whole time. Okay. And, you know, I would be behind the, the gear. And then And was that his was he already like in the drum and bass world kind of or were was that you like, like open him up to that? Yeah, I I think strangely he didn't he he was into that's right he was into like poetry and spoken oh, word okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think he was really into music or just had the knowledge or the exposure to it. So yeah, he he was listening to I feel like maybe he no, he, he you know who he liked? He liked Mr. Liff. Okay. That's who he liked yeah. a lot. He liked Mr. Liff. Maybe he liked like most most deaf and yeah. Talib and uh but he also liked Rage Against the Machine and maybe System of a Down and um but he also had stuff like, you know, Mumia Abu Jamal speaks from prison and Yeah. You know, so maybe I did open him up to that stuff. But yeah, he was he was down. He was down. So what where are you guys playing at this time? There was a place in Canton called the Spot. Uh huh. I don't know what it's called now. Um and we played at was it the vault? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe and I think we played at like College Park and some some house parties. Mm. Um, I think I think that's what we were doing. We we never we never left we never left Baltimore or anything. College Park. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. We never left Maryland. Okay. Yeah. But um, and and what happens with the group from there? So from there, so the first things that we were doing were like my tracks, like I was saying, I kind of like mushed together and came up with a set. So from there, I I came up with a set designed just to to perform. It was seamless. It was straight through. And we we played, we played, we did that and it was tight and people liked it. And um, so it was raw. I mean, it was like, you know, mm-hmm. Maybe half an hour. It yeah, was, it was very. It was probably more like drum and bass that was actually played in the clubs than I realized, because it was just beats and bass lines and an occasional, you know, little effector, 
little whatever thing flourish or or, right. or or whatever so then after we were doing that i was like i'm going to take this as a foundation and you know embellish on it and and build build a, an album out of it so we we so I, I fleshed out this whole album and he came out kevin came over a couple times and just like freestyled and maybe dropped a couple rhymes that he had written on stuff and i i kind of just pieced this whole album together from that and um and then i started shopping that album to labels and i think i got i got a couple people that i was talking to nothing happened out of it and then eventually there was a label in Belgium that that wanted to release it and the the label was called Quater Mass and they were they were all over the board they were putting out um sensationals and, oh yeah, and, yeah yeah and and the dude what what's the dude's name who runs words now um skiz skiz he he had he had a a thing called Spectre, I think Spectre, the ill saint they were putting out and they also put out stuff like meat beat manifesto and oh. some industrial stuff okay. and and uh some indie rock so i always thought it was like a all drum and bass label for some reason yeah no it was it was all over the place okay it was a lot of cool like avant-garde stuff and yeah so they they put that out and uh and but by by halfway through the album though we like we basically broke up as a group mm. and uh so i kind of like finished this whole album when we weren't really even speaking anymore and i had put so much time into it like you know i felt like i couldn't just like quit so i i kind of labored on and, and finished it and uh that's why if you listen to the album by you know the last track there's there's no vocals and then i think the previous track right. before it is me doing is me rapping and yeah, so that's kind of what happened. It starts strong with Kevin rapping, and then slowly it kind of changes into this other thing because, yeah, it it didn't it didn't work out between us really. Okay, and and do you kind of have this because because the album is titled King Rhythm, right? It, it's King Rhythm. It is. What's left? It is because by the end I was like, you know. It's just like I'm. Not, I don't even talk to Kevin anymore. Why the fuck? And I've done all this work on this record. Yeah. Why the fuck am I gonna call it? You know, the name of us as a group. You know, when it when it was just you know by that point it was it was me doing it. So so I you know instead of it being what's left the name of the group that we were, I just said forget. It, I'm gonna call the you know the album will be King Rhythm Me. Yeah. But the the name of the album will be the name that our group was, which was What's Left. And the label I I signed a, a two album deal with. So, yeah, so I, I, ha I owed the label another album, and I took a real, I, I didn't know what to do next. I, I really didn't. Like, I, at, by that point, I didn't want to do drum and bass anymore. Mm. I knew that I didn't want to make drum and bass anymore. I was, I was just kind of, I don't know, I was tired of it. I, yeah. I'm not sure why, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it took me a long time to figure out what to do, you know. And eventually I, I, I figured out, you know, I wanted to make some kind of like experimental, you know, rap music, hip hop, yeah. and, and and start rapping again. But it's, it's you know, it's a lot of fucking work to, to produce and rap and yeah. mix and, and, and all that stuff. So it took me a really long time to finish it. And I finally finished it. And the label was just like, you know they they didn't want to put it out not because it wasn't good but just i don't know the label kind of folded and this was when you know mp3s and no labels had money and yeah you know so they they only wanted to put out groups that were like super established and right right yeah so that that was that and then and then so then i put the album out myself eventually hardships and head Hard, trips. hardships and head trips yeah i put that out album out and uh i pressed it up on vinyl and yeah i i, I did so much work and all the work to press the album and you know and then i got some distributors to to carry it and get it sold in stores and yeah it was I, i'm super proud of the album it's, it's but it was it was so draining yeah it, i mean it's a i think it's a great album and it's kind of like your like arrival as like a solo 
act kind of thank you, know you. What i mean it's like like it doesn't it's it's just a really like unique yeah really complete album and like yeah it sucks it sucks you that it was such a draining experience yeah and then i mean obviously the whole you know the whole time i'm i'm taking care of my mom you know and she's starting to get sick yeah. with with so alzheimer's I, so i guess we're talking about 2006 2007 seven to eight to nine it took me so long to to do that record and figure out what i wanted to do and it took i think it took me like three plus years no i shopped that album i think for maybe like a year right trying to get a label to put it out and no one would put it out and then after a year of that then i finally decided that i would try to put it out myself and then things were starting to begin with my mom i knew something was happening but like the extent of what it would become and you know i guess maybe i knew but i it was it was i didn't know what to do and you kind of just take things step by step you know and eventually things start getting like you know worse and worse and worse and you feel like you know you're you know you're like in this whole world yeah and then somewhere somehow along the way i made an album with um a producer from from France named Colin Janko. How did you how did you meet that dude by the way? I was doing stuff with that dude K the I and he had met this girl on MySpace that was producing stuff and he mm-hmm. did some track with her and it was like tight and I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to holler at her too and see if we can get some stuff going." And it turned out that that was just a pseudonym, and it was actually oh, yeah. a, a dude named Colin Colin Janko, and we started making stuff and sending files back and forth over the internet, and um, we we did a whole album together, and uh, yeah, that that album so that album is King Rhythm and Colin Janko, and it's called uh, Thieves versus Clues. Yeah, it was very freeing for me. Because this is the first time that I didn't do everything, right? Right. So most of the tracks, um, Colin would send me a demo. Or some of them were he completely produced. But I think the majority of them, we kind of split the production duties. Or there are some that he did more production and... Uh, you know, and I would mix it, but it was it was definitely you know a, a full on collaboration. Yeah. And then I would rap on it. So you know, with with hardships and head trips, by the time I make the beat, I'd be or I'd be so you know kind of like tired of it that it's like okay now I got to write a rap for it. You know what I mean? So it was very draining. But with this, when you don't have to invest so much energy into producing you can put that energy into writing a rhyme right you know so so yeah that album that album was a lot it was a completely different thing yeah it's it's nice to have people make beats for you (laughs) yeah yeah and backing up a little bit it's like i feel like there is you know you put out hardships and head trips and then um and it was like you're putting this out on your own as as you know your mother is basically falling into like dementia or yeah. whatever and then yeah at the same time you're also like trying to get things moving with this tour shit like like you did the Wham City round robin you did the That's tour right. with me and Jones yeah and it's like at some point was there like something like this has got to stop or so, like like you know like i can't just you know roll across the country and uh, you know what i mean as this as shit is like getting crazier and crazier yeah i uh it was very scary to leave my mom here alone yeah because I was afraid that she would burn the house down or some crazy shit would happen. And I would call her every day and there would be times that 
I, I don't think I ever told you. So there would be times like, you know, when we did the round robin and I would call her up and she would just be crying. Yeah. She'd just pick up the phone crying. And that was that was really hard. And uh yeah, and then I would come home and um like all the food in the refrigerator would she didn't even eat it, it would just be like rotting. Yeah. You know? And she I don't know yeah, I I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't leave anymore. You know, because I, I didn't know what would happen. My mom was um, just, it was insane how, how bad she was. And, uh, man, so I I have a brother, <laughs> but he never helped me take care of my mom at mm. all. So that's why I basically did everything. And, um, yeah, and it just, it got insane and... I don't know what the fuck happened. I got, I got, I fucking got proctitis, which means because of the stress, I shit blood and I didn't have insurance. Yeah. And I didn't have insurance. And, uh, yeah. And, um, this, these, these fucking, not to get totally gross, but fuck it. These, these fucking like suppositories that I got so, so I could heal, like cost like $600 for like a box and shit was crazy and I got high blood pressure and yeah, I was, I, if I kept taking care of my mom, I would have probably had a heart attack yeah. or a stroke and yeah. And I, I couldn't do it anymore and I had to, you know, I had to stop. I had to, I had to move her out and uh, yeah, I, I had to get, she, there was, there was basically a series of events that unfolded that, you know, that made everything happen that that was the catalyst for you know moving her out and trying to like regain control of my life yeah yeah and then and i'm making music the whole while right you know i'm i'm still i'm still grinding on the music doing doing my that's the only thing that i really had the only bit of sanity and and when you reach for music for sanity you know that's not a good. You know what I'm saying? Like music, yeah. trying to make it happen in music is like stressful and hard as right, fuck. Right. And when that's your only bit of sanity, you know, like it's 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 crazy. Yeah. But it 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 did give me sanity. At least it it gave me focus and it gave me an outlet. There is another album that I was making the whole time. Oh yeah. Right. That I never finished and that I you the, know like insanity album kinda of, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the album was going to be called Theories to Believe in for People Who Trust. And it never it's close to being done, but I never I and I have I have a song with Sam Herring from Hemlock what's his name? Ernst. Er, Ernst, right. From Future Islands, but yeah, it's it's not done and mm. it's so it's pretty depressing and I, I can't I can't fucking uh bring myself to, to finish it. I'd I'd like to one day, but at this point I don't I don't want to go back there right and work on that. So I at some point I was doing I was doing stuff, um starting to do uh Rockstar Dementia and then at some point I got too depressed with, with theories believing for people who trust and I just shifted my focus and, and Rockstar Dementia was an idea that I'd had since probably, you know, very, very, very long ago. Um, Once I first started listening to hip hop and then after I started after hip hip hop was the first music that I really listened to and understood. And then after that, I started it opened me up to rock and stuff like that. And when I heard rock songs, I I was able to, you know, like trace the roots of hip-hop and like hear how hip-hop came from that yeah and i I remember hearing rock songs and thinking like you know like some of these like these vocals can be rapped yeah so i always had like this idea to do like this somehow like maybe this rap cover of like you know rock songs yeah but it, it never happened but it had always been in the back of my mind and it somehow, at some point, I was just like, "Let's do it," and you know, I I did it, and that's that's what Rockstar Dementia is. That's awesome. I I really like that album as well. Thank you, thank you. And I think that takes us back up, basically, to the present day. To the present. Minus oh, of course, big news that I 
recently heard downstairs. Yes, I got engaged. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. It's it's very exciting to to my girlfriend Sylvia. She, yeah, I love her so. Very, I'm very excited. We're both excited. An awesome note to end on. Thank you. And we're out. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, Dan.